Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning, I'm Kyla, and you're listening to A Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get in the Word, Layla, can you please open us up in prayer? Yes. Thank you. Lord, I just thank you for today and for another chance to gather in your presence, Lord, to learn and grow and mature in you, Lord, and to experience your goodness, Lord. And I just invite your Holy Spirit in to minister to us, Lord, to touch us and our listeners' needs, Lord, and to just help us with everything it is that we need help with, Lord. And so I just thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Well, welcome, everyone. And I don't know about you all, but I'm excited to get back in the Word today. So um, I'm not going to suppress the energy, but uh, we're going to rein it in a little bit. So with that, could I get a volunteer to read Second uh, Peter? We're in chapter 2, and could you read the first 11 verses, please? I will. All right, Charles. But there are also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood of the world and the bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. And delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For, the, for that righteous man, dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Dignitaries. Mm -hmm. Whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. Mm. Okay, well, there is so much in there. Uh, I want to open the floor to you guys first to share what the Holy Spirit is ministering to you and in doing so to share with us that are here and, and those listening and to ask any questions that you may have. All right? Yes. So who'd like to begin? No, I found it interesting in verse 11 where it says, Whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. It, the Lord just kind of reminded me of how I should be in my day-to-day walk, especially with my siblings. Don't be so quick to judge them, essentially, and call them out and bring a reviling accusation, if you will, against them, but to be more cautious and careful and gracious in the way that I interact with them versus um, being a title 10, essentially, (laughs) and just getting everybody in trouble because I want to see that happen when I can just wait for the Lord and just do what what it is he asked me to do. When Satan came among the sons of God, the angels, before the throne in Job, and God said, where do you come from? And he said, from walking back and forth on the earth, to and fro, 
the angels, the good angels standing there didn't say, well, Lord, you can't have Satan in here talking to you because he's Satan. So get him out of the throne room and close the doors to him. None of them made an accusation against him. None of them tried to judge him because they knew God is the judger. He's the, the greatest judge. And so it's not our place to judge each other, but to correct them and edify them. And that's something different. Correction is not judgment and it's not condemnation. That's just saying, hey, man, this isn't exactly right. Here's a better way you can go about doing this. Not, oh, you did this wrong and now here's your punishment. So he just reminded me to be careful of that in my own life and watch out for that. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Because also if you didn't correct them in love in the same manner that God wants you to correct them or he comes to you with correction, you would find yourself on the opposing side of God and you become the accuser of the brethren. And we're not supposed to be the accuser of the brethren. Mm -hmm. That's Satan. He doesn't need any help with that. <laughs> That's right. Anyone else? Um, yes. In verse 3, I also found that interesting where I was talking about how for a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. Mm -hmm. I found that interesting because it just reminds me that many times I just sit there in one place saying, okay, this is good enough for me. But when we're supposed to constantly be moving forward, it just also reminds me of the scripture of do not judge lest you be judged. While it's saying that what it's saying is don't come to the person screaming out against them, trying to get them in trouble and essentially uh, accusing them? Kind of, but essentially making it where the Lord or people think about them in a bad light. But it's when you have a truthful and accurate perspective of what they have done wrong, but you've come, already come to them in love and try to edify them like that, but then it comes to a time where the Apostle Paul says, turn them loose to the devil that they may come back. And it just reminded me that because Jesus did um, judge people inside of the Gospels, but he didn't judge it out of his own self-righteousness and his own perspective of what should be condemned and what should not. He saw from what the Lord had told him to do, and that's what he did. Some people gave mercy, but others needed to be talked to roughly. And to be turned off, turned loose, I mean. Okay, so as we're talking about this, what, is, what does it mean to judge someone else? What is meant by that? Does it mean to observe their actions and to determine whether these actions are right or wrong and def determine also whether you should partake in such things? No. Or is it something different? It's something different. Some, what is it? Is more so condemning the person and saying that they're not. There's a difference between pointing out something that they should correct and that they can correct in their lives, and the difference between condemning them, saying that you're no good. What okay. they're doing in here is saying that essentially there's nothing good in you. You don't belong here. Okay, and and when Jesus spoke about judging, what did he say to do first? Judge yourselves. Uh huh. Oh. And do what? Remove the plank from your own eye before you try to remove the speck from another's. Okay. Okay. So there's a, an element and a bit of not minding your own business, but make sure that you're guarding on the life that you walk before Jesus Christ um, fiercely and with due diligence and have your, your spectacle out, your magnifying glass on your own life to make sure that you are doing what you know is right before God, Right. And if yes. your brother does become involved or engaged or your sister engaged in a sin, you should look at them with eyes of compassion versus condemnation, right? Yes. And we're to restore those in love. It's the goodness of God that draws men unto repentance, right? Yes. And I understand the Apostle Paul, after people refuse to come to the Lord, after you've, you've gone to your brother in private, and in love and humility and respect. And then you've gone with another brother. And then you've taken them before the elders. Then to release them. He says turn them, their bodies over to Satan. For the buffing of their flesh. That they would learn not to sin. 
But at any point, is there an indication for you to condemn them? No. no. Or to harden your heart against them? No. no. We are always told to honor the love commandment, right? Yes. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And it's reflected in First John as believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and love your brothers as he gave us commandment. Right? Yes. So you can look at a situation and go, that's, that's not God's best as you're hearing from the Lord, but none of that comes out of your own perspective, your own, well, I just don't like it. I just don't think it's right. I, 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 the Holy Spirit goes, okay, I did not approve of that. And you can take that perspective. Right? Yes. Let's look at Romans chapter 14, verse 4. And in this, this chapter, the Apostle Paul is talking to um, believers about food and what they're eating. And just people are kind of going, well, I don't do this, and I do that, and you don't do this. And they're wrangling and fighting with one another over outward things. And we'll just start at verse 1, and we'll read through verse 4 so we can get the perspective. Now, as for a person who tr whose trust is weak, welcome him, but not to get into arguments over opinions. One person has the trust that will allow him to eat anything, while another whose trust is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats anything must not look down on the one who abstains, and the abstainer must not pass judgment on the one who eats anything, because God has accepted him. Who are you to pass judgment on someone else's servant? It is before his own master that he will stand or fall. And the fact is that he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. So as we're judging, now there are things that God has already said, this is an abomination before me, and we don't need to ask that question again. Right? He doesn't. He doesn't want us to steal from each other. He doesn't want us to lie to each right. other. He doesn't want us to engage in sexual immorality or idolatry, right? Yes. There are things that are hard lines that he said, I'm not involved in that. And even still, Christ died for the one who is just like he died for the one who has laid it down. Because at one point, we were all carried away with vile passions, right? Yes. We all needed the Lord Jesus Christ, the same Lord and Savior, to come and die for us. And there's... Their sin is not more costly than our own. So while God says those things are not in his will for us and that he is against the actions, he loves the person and he wants to gain them back, give them the opportunity to return to him and to turn away from sin. So as we're considering this, remember that you can go, because the Holy Spirit and the word of God has already said, I don't confirm that. I don't participate in these kind of behaviors. You should know when something is right or wrong to do. But then your heart should still remain in forgiveness, compassion. And your mouth should not be reviling against or railing against the people that are partaking in such actions. Okay? Okay. Yes. And that's something even, I mean, like not even like I'm somebody important, but that's something that I have to watch against because it's easy to go. I don't like that action. And then suddenly the action is a whole person or even a whole group of people that are all doing the same actions or it, we perceive it like that as human beings. You're all doing this. So you're all over there and I don't like any of this, but suddenly I'm talking about you as a person. So. Well, I think it's, it's deeper than that. Um, as, as a great start, but there's there's more. We can go deeper with this. So if you could all please turn with me to Jude. Uh, we're going to look at verses 16 through 19. And it goes along with what both or all three of, three of you have said, uh, whether it's verse 11 or the first... Hold on, let me get there. Um first three verses in second peter actually can i get a volunteer to read verses 16 through 19 in jude please i can I, do oh, go ahead. 
Those who are, these are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their ungodly lust. These are sensual people who cause divisions, not having the spirit. Hmm. There's a lot in there, right? Mm -hmm. But you see exactly what Peter is discussing in the first three verses of 2 Peter and in verse 11 that you guys brought up, right? Accusations and grumblings and, and all these things, why? It's for their own advantage. Right? We can look at James. What does James say? Why are there quarrels among you? Oh, no, we'll, we'll get there. Let's read it. <laughs> I think that's, that's y'all's favorite, favorite chapter. <laughs> James chapter 4, right? Yes. Okay. Can you read that section? Go ahead, the whole James chapter 4. Oh, no, just that, that part where it says, what's the source? And then he lists some very key characteristics or sources of quarrels. Where do fights... Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Okay. So, what does Peter first address? Covetousness. Jealousy. So, so look at that, right? These are, uh, just as I look at this, right? Talking about false teachers, right? Who secretly bring in destructive heresies. Why? Because it is human nature to desire to be recognized, applauded, have a following, or especially for those in ministry. This is not just talking about... Um, people coming into the faith, right? But these are teachers, false teachings, people that are attempting to insert themselves as leaders in the faith. So it's something that we have to be mindful of, mm -hmm. right? But again, how does Jude phrase it? He captures it by saying, they're not of the Spirit, right? We can look at uh, the Gospel of John, and there are multiple, I lost my place, one second, talking about judgment, right? And I find it interesting that we're, we're talking about judgment, but John 8, verse 15 and 16, please. Jesus addresses judging. And also, what sets Jesus apart or set him apart during his earthly ministry? Verse 15 says this, You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And then in verse 16 it says, And yet, if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. Right? It is written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Now, there are many ways that we can look at that verse, those, those couple of verses, right? 15 and 16 especially. Um, but again, it's, it's an understanding of, of roles, right? Um, John 12, 47 as for anyone who hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I have not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Right? And talking about Jesus' role is the same thing that's stated in John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. But here and in this passage in, in John, Jesus is saying, I didn't come to do this, but if I do, do this. Right? So... With that, we have to look at, at the why. The roles are clearly defined. And, and I find it interesting that um, we were having this discussion this week, and 
even a little bit ago. Um, John 16, verses 8 through 11, please. Now, this is talking about the, the work and the role of the Holy Spirit. Right? Do you want me to read that out loud? Yes, please. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the rule of this world is judged. Okay, actually, can you continue reading through verse 15, please? Yes. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he would take of mine and declare it to you. Hmm. So, we see there the, the role of the Holy Spirit. And the version, your version says, to convict of sin, right? Yes. Um, now, uh, I was reading a, a different version. It was the complete Jewish Bible. But verse 8 begins this way. And says, when he comes, that is the Holy Spirit, he will show the world that he will show that the world is wrong about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. Which means our thought process about it is incorrect, right? Yes. So, again, Jesus made it very plain. We judge, or he said, you judge by what you see by the flesh, right? Yes. But that's not what the Lord looks at. He looks at the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, yes, we, he also says many times in the Old Testament that we should be able to judge sin or distinguish the difference between what is holy and what is profane. Okay? Yes. Not the person, not the actions, as you pointed out, honey. The person's master, who knows? The person's master will be able to make them stand. All right? Our master is the Lord. We are his bondservants. So, is the Lord, through his Holy Spirit, that, as the version reads, convicts us of sin. In other words, he is teaching us, hey, this isn't right. And the Holy Spirit is there to lead us and guide us into all truth, right? Other places he's mentioned as the Spirit of truth, right? Yes. Okay. So he is going to teach us and educate us. And where is he getting that from? The same place Jesus got it from. It says, I only say what the Father says. I only do what the Father does. And we saw in John 16 the same example given discussing the Holy Spirit. Right? Yes. Okay. And what is said right before he says where the Holy Spirit gets his, what to say from, and it talks about judgment. And his role is to teach and educate us to distinguish between um Sin, righteousness, right? Holy from the profane. And then also about judging. If you look at the entirety of the Old Testament, how many prophets brought about words of judgment? Most of them. Exactly. Many of them. But they weren't speaking of themselves or their own initiative. Many times it's a thus, thus the Lord, right? Or thus saith the Lord, or yes. the Lord says, right? Yes. Okay, depending on your translation, of course. But that's the same thing, as, as in, by thing, I mean way we all should approach every aspect of our life. What does the Lord say about it? All right, we, there's a, a great example of the disciples, later to be apostles, I don't remember where exactly that place is, but it says, hey, we saw these people casting out demons in your name. And we rebuked them. And what did Jesus say? Don't do that. If they're not against us, then they're for us. Okay. But then how did, uh, there's many questions on that part. How did they get to that place? Because they weren't 
walking with Jesus, clearly, or the disciples would have recognized them and said, okay, yeah, they're, they're part of us. But then he, the disciples noticed there was a difference. However, they weren't judging by the Spirit, they were judging by the flesh. And even though these, these other people were doing the work of the Lord, the disciples at the time rebuked them, not understanding, only judging by what they saw, not the fruit of it. Right? Yes. And by the fruit, I also mean what the Holy Spirit was saying and ministering to them in that moment. So in there is also a lesson for us. We need to be in tune, so in tune with the Holy Spirit that he can minister to us. It's not about what we think or see, but it's about what the Holy Spirit says. So the, the application for our lives is check with the Holy Spirit. Why would we say something out of the flesh? or sow seeds out of the flesh. It only brings corruption and no good thing. But sowing in the Spirit, we will then reap in the Spirit. And in the Holy Spirit is love and joy and edification and building up and, and every good and perfect thing. So we must be careful how we approach everything, but especially our relationships, first with the Father and then with our neighbor. And his people. Yeah? Yes. yes. Kyla, did you have something you wanted to say, sweetheart? Well, actually, I can wait until the next verses to say it, because it'll apply now as well. Okay. Well, obviously, we've covered a lot. We've uh, um, taken a journey through a lot of the Bible here. And um, the beginning of this uh, section is, is a warning Mm-hmm. Uh, a warning about false prophets and and how they lead others away. So I think there's a, always a concern of um, if I'm being led away from the word, what does that say about my foundation in the word? So I have to consider that. Absolutely. Right? So that ties right into what's with us clearly living in a place where we're hearing hearing the Holy Spirit all the time. Um, like try to weave a thread of that, kind of bring everything back into that so uh, we jumped over to Matthew 18 for a little bit and we talked about um, you know taking another brother with us so we, and we want to be careful how we bring judgment upon somebody else somebody once shared with me that that essence of bringing a brother with me when I want to go and correct someone is not to bolster my stand mm-hmm. but actually to put me in check to make sure that I remain humble and hold my ideas loosely and walk closely with the Holy Spirit as I go to another brother so that I can hear what he has to say and fully understand him and make sure I'm not the one who has erred, not so that I can prove to him that he is the one that has erred. You know, mm-hmm. our communication, uh, Kamisha, you said something about you know, not seeing an action happen and making that judgment on a person or a whole group of people because we don't like something, right, and not judging the person because of that. Our communication can get so out of whack so easy. Um, there's a, a a simple little joke of a, a man and a woman out on a first date, and the woman comments, oh, I just love animals. And the man says, oh, I work with animals every day. And she says, oh, are you a vegetarian? He goes, no, I'm a butcher. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the point of that is that we bring our preconceptions in, and we start hearing the things we want to hear that are in alignment with what we want to think. Mm-hmm. Instead of really, you know, in, for, for us as Christians to make sure that we're actively engaged in hearing the Holy Spirit. You know, we, if we look all the way back to Genesis 13, we have to remember that Lot made a decision based upon what he could see. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to go back to that section, but it clearly mm-hmm. says he saw this land and saw that it was green and saw the had water. And so he decided to take this. Mm-hmm. He didn't seek the Holy Spirit in that. Mm-hmm. And... um you know, Abraham was trying to be in a very humble place at that time to say, I want to maintain peace with my family, and I'm not trying to serve myself. I'm trying to make peace with my family that we, we can still maintain this. And Lot made a bad decision, I think. And, and so his judgment was wrong because it was outside of the Lord. So we, we really want to make sure that we keep that component right. And we've said it, but, you know, if recently God shared with me, for me personally, you know, there is just too much at risk in every moment mm-hmm. for me to trust my judgment and to engage the Holy Spirit. 
I surrender every thought captive to Christ so that I can move forward in that. And we see all the, all the things that go wrong when we don't do that. And I think that's a, a big part of what we're picking up in this section right here in Second Peter. Amen. Uh, amen. Absolutely, brother. Kyla, did you, are you ready? Am I? <laughs> but what? I just didn't want to talk and you had something that you wanted to, that the Lord was sharing with you. It applies to the next section of scriptures as well, but what I see from reading this passage of, passage of scriptures is personal accountability. Mm-hmm. You're accountable to God for what you study. Sure, people may try to lead you astray, but that's why you have your own personal relationship with God and mm-hmm. you know God for yourself. So you can't, on the day of judgment, you can't say, God, well, uh, a so-and-so told me this. I'm sorry they were incorrect, but it was so-and-so's fault. I just did what so-and-so said. Mm-hmm. You're still responsible for what you did. And, like, if I was standing before the Lord, I can't say, well, God, Sally over here told me my hair looks stupid, so I decided to cut my hair and look crazy and not crazy because she said I look stupid. Okay. But he's still going to say, Kyla, I told you not to act stupid. Why are you acting stupid? That's not mm-hmm. what I told you to do. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm sorry, but depart from me. I didn't know you. The, well, the sin that causes us to depart from God is the sin of refusing the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. That, that, that's the one. Okay? So. We covered that in yes. time. Yep. Yes. God, we, we all will stand before him and we will receive from him based on our, our own activities. Whatever, what did we do with what God said or gave to us? You see that represented in the parable of the, the servants with the talents. What did yes. you do with what he gave you? What he made you responsible for? So you're absolutely right in that. And. Just just know that while you are doing your due diligence, God is ever ready with mercy to help you along the way. And it, we're, not, we're not looking at talking about or even considering winning a place with Christ based on our own works. And we are still accountable to him to live a life that is worthy of the calling. We read that in First Peter. I mean, um, chapter 1, Second uh, Peter chapter 1. Live a life that's worthy of the calling of Christ. Live a life that reflects that you appreciate that your Lord and Savior died for you, that he redeemed you, that he's recovered and restored you and given you right standing. Honor God in, in how you carry yourself. And well, like we said, uh, we read in Romans that God is able to make his servant stand. So mm-hmm. you, you mind the race that he put before you exactly. and allow... You know, even if someone comes speaking things contrary to God, it's your job to know his voice. He said, my sheep know my voice, and another they will not follow, they will not hear. So there are many voices in the world. Everybody has an opinion, and as we're, we're seeing, there are many antichrists in the world, false prophets, um, false teachers, it all kind of, for me, I put it under the same category, anybody, anything that puts itself in opposition to the will, the way, and the purpose of God through the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you are against Jesus, it puts you in the category of Antichrist. If you are trying to dissuade his people and draw them away from following him, that puts you in the category of Antichrist. Um, So as we are looking at things, we are looking at this is the world that we live in. You guys, everyone remember when Jesus said, when he was praying for his disciples, he was saying, keep them as they're in the world. He sends us out as sheep among wolves. And he didn't pray that we were taken out of the world, mm-hmm. but that we would be protected and we'd be kept while we're in the world. Yes. And how are we kept? God gives us his word and he gives us his Holy Spirit. I mean, of course, salvation is right in there with that as well, because none of it matters if you don't have Jesus Christ. You can read the Bible all day long, but if you're not saved, you can do all the nice works in the world, but if you're not saved, it doesn't matter. Okay? Yes. yes. So, what's the two roles? We are to understand what's happening in the world around us. We know that there is a destiny track and a timeline that's being played out. We know that Satan's time is short. If you spend any time in Revelation, you'll see that. And he's angry and he's trying to draw as many away as possible in the short amount of time that he has. So that means that there are going to be false prophets and false teachers, false doctrines. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you read in Jude, there's going to be um, mockers and scoffers and 
right. people living waywardly and ungodly and um, persecutors of the church, there's going to be these things. First John mentions them as an- antichrists and says there are already out, there are many in the world already. Mm-hmm. So. And then there's the, draw, the job and the role of the believer. Mm-hmm. And what is that? To not be ignorant of Satan's devices, to understand what's happening. Yes, these things are there, but how do I handle myself during this? Not praying that it would stop because we got to get to the end. We got to finish this thing up so God can close it up, right? Because these things have to happen and come forward so righteousness is fulfilled, right? All, all the, the tasks and items that Jesus already listed out in Revelation that need to go forth and that are found throughout the, the, the law and the prophets, like the read through the prophets, mm-hmm. you see destiny, things, these are going to come and it's a long time off and don't worry about it. Go your way. Like we read that in Daniel. Um, so these things have to happen, but how do we govern ourselves in the meantime? Do we start getting into judgment and anger with people? And I mean, carnal judgment, not, not discerning of spirits. I'm not talking about that. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about discerning between right and wrong. I'm talking about condemning, finger pointing, no. right? Because when you look at what Jesus wants, you find it in Corinthians a church without spot or wrinkle. We are still required. Jesus is still looking for us to be blameless and our garments to be white and kept clean as we're going through this journey. So he's making us aware here that these things are going to happen, but don't be moved. Don't be deceived. Mm -hmm. Don't be drawn away by them, but don't be now dirtied by them either. Because now one thing has slipped in the enemy it just makes me think and reminds me that the enemy does not take a day off for technicalities if he can get a believer thrown off or a human being thrown off on one little thing and carry them away off into a path of destruction even when it's started off as a good intention he'll take it so it's our job to make sure that we are rooted and grounded in love that we are cooperating with the holy spirit and when I say rooted and grounded in love, that inco- includes and incorporates the word of God. It is supposed to be written on the tablets of our heart. There may be a time where you don't have a physical Bible in your hand to read. Exactly. As, as David experienced. He got to go in the temple one time, and I'm sure he was like, oh, this is such a blessing to be here. And then everybody got killed because he was there, except for the one, the couple that escaped, or the one or... Mm-hmm. Yep. So... But how did he continue to fellowship with God? Psalm and everything. And oddly enough about David, it wasn't the time in the cave that he fell away. It was the time where he had the most access. He could have gone into the temple at any time. Mm-hmm. When he was on the rooftop in the seasons where kings go to battle, he could have been instead of on the rooftop, he could have been in the house of the Lord. He might have been told, get out there to battle <laughs> had he gone. But he had most access to the word of God then. But when he was in the cave, what scrolls did he carry with him? Because they had a specific place. You know, we are blessed to have the written word that we can access on the ready, especially in America. But as you're studying, do with all diligence, allow it to be written on the tablet of your heart. And with all diligence, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit always confirms the word of God, and he always guides us back to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's how we're to be kept in the last days. Wickedness is going to be here until that set point that God has already described to us. And if you're unsure what I'm referring to, spend some time in Revelation um, and the New Testament and look for things that talk about end times the end of the age, mm-hmm. and, and you'll be able to see that picture. Um, and line it up with the Old Testament, whether it's Daniel or Zechariah or even uh, Isaiah, uh, Elijah, Jeremy, uh, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, excuse me. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk many things about the end times in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you were saying, uh, that brings us here with Second Peter uh, verse 9, right? The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and reserve unjust 
under punishment for the day of judgment, right? Mm-hmm. That's the wheat and the tares. There, there it is, right? And it says about the wheat and the tares that the angels will separate them after they both grow together. Right? But I, I love before it gets to that, and, and Dean, you brought this up, there's three examples that were given, really two for us in the flesh and the natural. And you brought up about Noah, and you brought up about Lot. And I love how in verses 5 and 6, they're both brought up. And for Noah, it says that he was a preacher of righteousness. And only one of eight people saved. That was it. And then the same thing with Lot, right? He was interceded for by Abraham, right? And one of just a few people in the city that, that the Lord brought out. And, but... Again, and I bring that up to bring this up, right? We have to understand the nature and character of the Lord. And this is key. In Second Peter 2, verse 1, it says that, talking about false teachers, destructive heresies and all that, denying the Lord who brought them, and then the last part of that verse is, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And you see that throughout here right um whether it's the angels right whether it is about uh, sodom and gomorrah or about noah right they brought it on themselves it's not the lord that decided i'm going to destroy them but he says throughout his word that they are turned over to their own lusts right the lord wills he desires that all would be saved, that all would come to him, mm-hmm. not resist and reject him like we read about in John and we're reading about here and throughout the entirety of the word. It was that all would listen to him and come to him. But uh, like I said, even in verse 5, right? Noah was a preacher of righteousness, but then it says how the others, the ancient world, was not spared. And it ends, verse 5 was saying, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. They brought this on themselves. When we sin, when we separate ourselves through resisting, rejecting, just, excuse me, not listening to the Lord and what he is speaking and ministering to us through his word, through his Holy Spirit, we bring things on ourselves. Not the Lord punishing us. That's not how he teaches us. That's not that's outside of his nature and character. We bring these things upon ourselves. So as you have been saying, honey, and all of us, we really need to check ourselves every moment. Are we moving and operating and ministering and being ministered to by the Lord through his Holy Spirit? Or is it out of our flesh? Mm-hmm. We need to get that right. Yeah, I just... Um I want to point something out, and I want to say something to the listeners, kind of as an aside. But first off, you know, here is we're being told here is righteous lot being delivered, and I think um, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct. Yet, if we go back to Genesis, what happens next after Lot is delivered? What's the next thing that happens to Lot and his family? Uh, his daughters are wicked. His wife turns to salt on the way out of area and then his daughters get him drunk and seduce him, him yeah. and violate him this sensual conduct sexually. the same sensual conduct that was um, repulsive to him had invaded his own household mm-hmm. and so that's the aside I want to bring to the, mm-hmm. the listeners in this and so um, maybe you don't know this but this is a real family in a real living room living <laughs> out the word well, it, but this is important, I think, because really, if you don't get anything else by listening to these Bible studies, what you should be getting is that this is a just a template for a way to live out your faith. That it's, it's just living it out, seeking the Holy Spirit and guidance for it, because it's just too important not to. Our children are going to be influenced by this. this I mean, this is, as I said, this is a real living room. This is a real family. This is a real mother and father trying to impart God's word to their children is not meant to be perfect. It's meant to be excellent, that God knows our hearts, and he's going to trust you in that. So just 
let this be a guide for you, but don't let it be a substitute for you. Live it out yourself in the same way so that you may bring God's word to your family so that in these times when they're faced with these challenges, they have a firm enough foundation. They have a basis for their faith. They have a measure to see the lies against the truth. But if you don't purposefully give them the truth of the word and help them flesh it out and help them reason it out and help them see it now, they won't be able to identify that lies later. And they'll be just like Lot's daughters. And the thing that repulsed him the most was the thing that cursed his own family. And so just think that's important for everybody to hear. Thank you, Dean. Thank you for sharing that. Amen. Wow. All glory to God. Yes. And thank you, brother. Um, And also, just to add on the one thing, right? We've talked a lot about how the Lord speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. And, but also not just his Holy Spirit, right? He sends ministering angels and sends brothers and sisters in Christ. And right. I mean, to Balaam, he sent a donkey, right? To minister to him. And since we're discussing Lot and, and, and what happened, right? If we look, or if in your own time, study this out, but if you look back at that story in that situation, right? The angels spoke and said, don't look back. Before they left the city, there was a warning given, knowing that Lot's wife was going to struggle and be challenged and tempted after it happened? No, before it happened. Long before it happened, it was warned. They already provided the out and the escape. Don't be tempted. Don't be challenged to look back. Just keep moving forward. But she chose to not adhere to the advice and the guidance and the wisdom given. And it was turned into a pillar of salt. That also is part of the nature and character of the Lord. He warns us before it happens so that we have the opportunity to choose rightly, to choose him. All right? Yes. Because he loves us. He cares for us. He wants us to to do well, to live, to thrive in him. But we have to choose that for ourselves and our own life. And then that... Uh, I think really sums up what you see here in this yes discussing or Peter discussing about destructive doctrines but also about false teachers and and what is their doom right because we even brought up you know Dean you brought up the scripture right where it says hey go to a friend bring a brother right that whole process of how we're to deal with right but the Lord doesn't violate his own words he does that first and he first sends his holy spirit to well convict us or to teach us about sin and righteousness and judgment and and all those things right the whole that's part of the role of the holy spirit to convict us say that's not quite right and teach us right but we have to choose to to come into alignment with that and to move forward in the things of the lord that's for everybody regardless of if you're a teacher if you're just coming into the faith and, and learning and growing in the, in the Lord and in the things of Him, or you've been in the faith your whole life, at whatever stage or, or place you're at in Him, we still have to have a dependence and a trust and remain in alignment with the Lord. Amen. I also want to, as we're looking at this, see God's justice. Mm-hmm. I think the the apostle Peter while he's warning them and you know he's he's already stated in the first chapter that he's getting ready the time is closer that he's going to put off his tent. He's going to transition from his earthly realm into the spiritual realm mm-hmm. to you know um go home to be with the Lord and he's giving them counsel so that after he dies they have something to look back to and go okay. You've already warned us Lord we're ready for this. We understand how to operate, and we, we've talked about that today. But also, take comfort and find refuge in the fact that your, your Lord, your God, knows everything. And there's nothing that he has left uncovered um, or like un, 
met, no situation that will arise that he's not already dealt with and prepared for and answered and already like he placed it in the timeline. He placed it in the destiny track of what's going on with creation. He's already met these things and already subdued them, right? We're just watching it play out because humans are limited in our, our fleshly body. We're limited by time. Um, we'll see his justice. When you see wickedness raging, don't feel like, well, what's the point of being saved then? The, rick- the wicked just go on about their daily life and it seems like they get all the money, they have all the fun, all the women and the desirabilities or whatever it is that would try to make itself a temptation before your eyes or to put pressure on your soul to lament the long-suffering position that God has us in as being righteous people. Um, Appearances are not everything that they seem to be. Absolutely. Um, the Apostle Paul talks to us about getting, being sorrowful in our souls, thinking as we struggle to do what's right, as we walk that line of faith, that we, we get weary in that. And he, t- he encourages us to look unto Jesus, who, despite the journey that was in front of him, he did not pay attention to that shame that he would endure, but looked forward. Mm-hmm. And he who endured the cross didn't stumble because of the difficulties that would be coming his way, but he took courage and he continued to finish the course. So he tells us not to get weary in our own flesh or start feeling sorry for ourselves. Um, So, but in that, don't despise the righteous life that God put before you and, and look and go, oh, well, they're just doing all this. What's the point? Because he's telling you he's just. God is just in all of this. Even though these false prophets... Everybody gets a chance. The false prophet also had the availability to be a authentic and ju- true and genuine prophet. There was a choice. But if there is no choice given, there's no opportunity, there's no choice. And even in this, God is still just. So as you see, like God, the Lord is already taking care of this. He's already made a place concerning the angels that sinned even way back then. At the flood, God is taking care of that as well. And if God deals with them unjustly, then can he offer justice to us? Absolutely not. God is just to all because that's who he is. Mm-hmm. Part of his nature and character. He does not change. He is just and he is good to the wicked and he is good to the righteous. And there is a course that's laid out. Choose life that you and your seed may live. And don't despair if it seems like it's taking a long time. Don't, don't be Jonah. After you've delivered the word of the Lord, now you get your comfy spot to watch them be destroyed. And then get upset if perhaps grace is given and they turn. But be mindful and appreciate the Lord for who he is and respect his capacity for righteousness, respect him all the way around and reverence him. But don't get disheartened about these things and do not become engaged in unforgiveness. Amen. Amen. Would you mind closing out in prayer, honey? Sure. You know, I just want to share this with you guys on a a personal note. I've been, as I've spent time in prayer with the Lord, um, the the lifestyle and the act of homosexuality is something that really bothers me. And I pity the people that partake in it because I know it's not good for them. It's not God's best. I mean, all sin is not God's best, but this in particular has been on my heart. And as I was asking God what to do about it, of course, naturally, the the anger and frustration tried to rise up. And God said, no, I'm not in that. That's not of me. And I said, okay, Lord, how can I pray for them? Then he reminded me of when John the Baptist was taken into prison and when he was beheaded. What did our Lord and Savior do? After he prayed, he went out and he healed the sick. Uh He opened the blind eyes. He cast out the devils. Um, He retaliated in the spiritual realm. And when I see our 
brothers and sisters, our like creations that are lost. Most of them, the Lord helped me to understand, are suffering from unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will take people way off into a journey that they didn't intend to be on. It's not because they're bad or wicked people. It's because there's unforgiveness, and now the enemy has had a gateway into their life. So as you're, you're looking out and you're going, wow, what is going on here? Why does everything have to be touched or and try to twist? Ask God for to relieve and release the unforgiveness that they are in bondage by because that's the root cause of it. That's the source. Something happened. Unforgiveness developed as a result. And now, like I said, the enemy does not take a day off because Someone is young and they don't understand or they're hurting about something, but he'll use it and twist it and manipulate to steal that life and that soul to cause that life to go the way in the path of destruction. So as you're praying, and if that's something that comes into your heart, you know, as you're praying for things, especially when it's something that like, like um, righteous lot where it's tormenting you daily to watch this. Ask God to give you strategic understanding so that you can intercede and pray. Mm-hmm. Because just like our Heavenly Father wishes that none should perish, that should be our perspective as well. Amen. Not wipe them off the planet, Lord. No. <laughs> because then you'd have to wipe me off. Bring them and us to you. Well, let's, let's empty the enemy's camp. Let's turn those ones over and make them children of the Most High God. Through Amen. strategies and prayer. Okay? all right god we love you we thank you and we honor you today lord god and we just trust that you are good and that your will for us is good it's satisfying and able to succeed lord god we forgive the ought that we've had in our heart against others even if we are we feel as though we're being tormented as we try to journey righteously god but there's unrighteousness around them we forgive And we ask you, God, to minister to their hearts, to those hurt places in the people around us, God. If they are hurting about anything, God, if there's any bit of unforgiveness, any wound within them, Jesus Christ, that's allowing the enemy to have a gateway into their life and into their soul, God. We plead the blood of Jesus over them and we bind that up in the name of Jesus. And we ask for your grace and your healing, God. You heal the body and you heal the inside, God. You heal us inside and out. You are concerned about the interior of our being just like you are concerned about our physical health. And we just ask you to release them, God. We thank you that on the, when you went to hell, you left captivity captive. And we thank you, God, that you were bruised for our transgressions. And the chastisement and on our iniquities, God, you took that upon yourself as a payment for it. And the chastisement of our peace was upon you, God. And theirs as well, we just bring them to you, Lord. We surround them with faith and with hope and with love. And we ask for your compassion to be made clearly evident to them and made known widely to them, God. And our compassion, likewise, God, that we would love them as you love them and see them as you see them, Lord. We thank you for the listeners, for the hearers of this word, God. We thank you for helping their heart, making their, their heart soft and tender before you, Jesus. That they are able to not only receive the word with gladness, but that the word would take deep root on the inside of them. So when the heat comes, when the wind blows, that they're able to stand before you, Jesus. That you will be honored and glorified among them, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for adding to your numbers daily. New believers coming forth, people that have never named the name of the Lord Jesus Christ are coming to you now and today, God, being released as a result of your word going forth, Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, as this ministry continues to walk with you, Jesus, that you are getting all the glory. We bind the hand of the enemy that will come to steal, kill, and destroy, or distract, deter, or defer your goodness and your plan for the lives of your people, God, and the listeners to this broadcast. And we release your peace to them, God. And we say, let your kingdom come, Jesus.
and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give them their daily bread. Meet their needs, Lord, in abundance. And deliver them from the evil one. Thank you, Lord, for the hedge of protection that is placed around them, God, and shored up and raised up as high as it can go, Lord. In your name, Lord Jesus, we accept this. We take it by faith and we honor you with our praise and our thanksgiving, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.